This is Communications from DMN for the week of November 12, 2007. I'm Scott Nesbitt. I'm Aaron Davis. Thanks for joining us today. I'd like to introduce Tom Johnson. Tom, how are you? I'm doing well. So, Tom, for the fives of uh, our listeners who may not know who you are and what you do, could you just uh, introduce yourself, please? Sure. Um, well, I have a, a podcast at Tech Writer Voices, and that's where I think I, most people know me, but I also have a blog at I'dRatherBeWriting.com. I'm a technical writer in Utah, and basically that's about it. I like okay. to play basketball. That's <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, we've been listening to your podcast for a while, and we have to say that we're, you know, we're pretty big fans. We like, uh, it's a regular uh, RSS feed that I have, and I usually tune in every time you update. I guess one of the questions I've been meaning to ask for a while is like, how did you get started in podcasting? How did you, how did you one day say, hey, you know what, I'm going to start podcasting, especially in this kind of, kind of topic? I totally stumbled into it. Um, well, I was writing an article for the intercom on the topic of uh, new trends, and I decided to do it on podcasting. And as I was writing it, I realized I can't write about something I don't haven't ever tried. So I tried it, basically. I, I had to do a few podcasts, and, and once you start doing some, uh, you get into the habit and the rhythm, and it started to be fun. And so I just kept going. So basically, it, it, it grew out of a writing experiment. And also, I... I've always felt that there's tremendous potential in podcasting. I've felt that w we need a podcast for tech technical communication for a long time. Ever since I got into podcasting, I just started listening to them, and I kept searching for podcasts relevant to my profession or our profession, and there just wasn't any. There was there was a few here and there, but by and large, it, it was vacant. And so for weeks, I kept encouraging people. I said, hey, look, we need a podcast, but nobody really took it up. There is a guy over in Scotland, Alistair Christie, who's, who I think is probably the first podcaster in our field. And he does a great job. And he's just returned to the, the scene with some recent podcasts. But other than that, there there really isn't a lot. And I'm not quite sure why, because it, this is the, the uh, Society for Technical Communication. Yet when it comes to our own communication in the audio realm, we're kind of, uh, we're, we're, we don't do much. Yeah, that's a, that was a good point. I guess, did your uh, blog uh, develop the same way, or was that uh, to have a different genesis? You know, I was just playing around with the cPanel one day. I volunteered to be webmaster for my chapter, and I was like, hmm, what are all these scripts? And I installed WordPress, and I, I really have no idea. Uh, blogging just grew as a trend, and I just joined it. So how about you guys? How did you get, why did you guys get into podcasting? Well, Aaron, that's your one. Well, you know... I guess it was just one of those things, you know, similar to what you were saying, we didn't see anybody doing it, and we kind of felt that it would be kind of a, a cool thing to start, and, you know, we've always been somewhat opinionated in terms of what's going on in this field, so we thought, why not just put our voices out there? I mean, as horrible sounding as they are, but we thought, we'll get out there and, and start a podcast and see what the reaction is and see, you know, kind of participate in this whole uh, podcasting uh, ecosystem that's going on and uh, now that we're seeing all these new podcasts pop up and and there's a lot uh, of uh, traffic going back and forth and a lot of blogging going on so it's kind of cool to see because really this is a field that hasn't really talked about itself in the past and it's been kind of a quiet uh, uh, build up to all of these podcasts but um, you know podcasting for us is we just kind of jumped into it once we we thought there there might be a audience for this and uh and lo and behold, there is somewhat of an audience for it. So I don't know. It's just one of those things, you know, like the, the tech writing community has always been kind of introverted and, and really hasn't branched out into discussing itself. And I think that might be a product of 
a lot of technical writers or, or technical communications uh, professionals who are just, you know, kind of biding their time in this industry before they either write the magic screenplay or they do what they really want to do in life and they kind of begrudgingly go through the motions of being a technical communicator. And what we wanted to do is kind of bring some of the uh, passion back uh, for the field because we really enjoy what we do and we kind of want to promote that. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, though, I was very resistant to the idea of the podcast. It took Aaron a while to uh, break down that resistance, didn't it? I don't think it took that long, but, you know... A couple the, of months. A couple of months, yeah. You weren't, you weren't sold on it at first, and, you know, quite truthfully, neither was I, but I thought, you know, it, it's something that we have to follow through with and give it, you know, give it a shot and see what happens, and I'm glad you we guys did. Are, you guys are freelance writers, right? I mean, you, you're like independent. You have your own company, so you, you get contracts from other people. Do, do Am I right? Yes. Yep. So does your podcast bring in uh, people, or is the audience different from your clients? Scott, I'll let you answer that one. I think it's uh, I think it's a good business decision, too, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it is. I'm not sure if we have gotten any business from that, but uh, people are aware of our blog and our podcast. And um, I think our website is pretty comprehensive. It tells everything about us. And the blog and podcast are just interesting adjuncts that uh, show our flexibility. And I think um, potential employers or potential um, colleagues see that, and I think they appreciate that. I mean, we really started out the blog, uh, you know, another reason we started out the blog is to kind of semi-promote our business, but it was never, that was never the be-all and end-all of the blog or the podcast, but, you know, there is the kind of a side benefit to that as well. We do get people commenting on, you know, oh, I read this on your blog, or I happen to listen to your podcast, and I checked out your website, so it's actually drawing traffic to our site, which is, no, it's a good thing, but it's not the it's not the number one goal of, of what we're doing with the podcast and the blog. Mm. Yeah, same here. I mean, I, I get a lot of visibility just from being in Web 2.0 spheres here, but it's not the, the main reason I'm doing it. I mean, I'm not doing podcasts so that I can try to boost my networking and marketing potential and, and get, you know, I, I, I'm not a, a freelance guy. I mean, I don't have my own company, but uh, I enjoy the interaction with other tech technical communication colleagues and the indirect result is is pretty big i mean employers people who are who are looking to hire me they they look at the blog and the podcast and they they can see that uh they can just learn more about me see what i know and <clears throat> it does have a pretty strong um benefit to me i i feel anyway well, I think it shows that you're passionate about what you're doing, right? You're really, there is a keen interest in, in that field. And uh, that's a dream for a lot of employers because they want somebody that's really passionate. It's, and usually it's going to be the best candidate for, for the position, right? That's, what, that's at least what I've been finding as well. So, you know, when, once you're kind of immersed in this, this field and, you know, you're, you're talking about it, you're, you're presenting, you're going to conferences, you know, you're, you're really um, putting yourself out there as an expert in the field. And I think that's a currency that's very highly valued. I think yep. you got a good point there. Um, having a blog and or a podcast, it's a perfect excuse to do something that not a lot of us do to learn. I mean, we learn about new forms of publishing, new technology, especially with a blog, how to write really tightly, which is very important when you're a technical communicator. I think it just takes a little bit of courage to get out there and to just, you know, start speaking your mind in terms of what you think is, is you know, the direction of the field and where it's going and submitting your opinions on different topics and blogging. I, I, for me, at least, it took, it took me a little bit of, uh, like, I was, a lot, I was a lot more nervous before than I am now in doing this because I just, you know, you, you kind of start thinking about how you're going to be perceived and, you know, overly analyzing what you're saying and, 
and things like that. But I think you just have to jump into it and get over that and get out there and start generating, uh, generating some meaningful content and getting involved in some really interesting discussions. And I've, from from what I've read on a, a lot of these blogs, especially Tom's blog, I mean, I, there's a lot of interesting information that otherwise, if that blog wasn't there, I wouldn't I wouldn't be privy to that information. Mm-hmm. I, I want to come back to this idea of expressing the fact that you're passionate about something through through these mediums. If people aren't engaged in a blog or podcast, then when they do go before employers, the the person could be really passionate about technical writing, but it may not come across. It, you may know tons about XML and data and single sourcing and, and all kinds of cool tools and other things, but if you can't demonstrate that, if that doesn't come across, your employer is just going to look at your resume, ask you a few questions, and you're going to look just like everybody else. But if you have if you have a vast quantity of information that's positive and shows that you're really passionate, that puts you several steps ahead of other people when you're trying to gain gain clients or when you're trying to gain jobs. Definitely, definitely. I mean, passion is hard to fake. Let's be honest there. And uh, if you try to, you're going to look at it like an idiot. But now this brings yeah, up think- a, this brings up a problem though. This is something somebody contacted me. Uh, actually, Kevin, I don't want to say his last Well, Kevin Schusman asked me about this. He said that uh, basically, I mean, he's a big web designer. He really knows this stuff. But he said when it comes to the blog, he's really more passionate about music than he is about information architecture. So what do you guys think? If you're, if technical communication and one of its spinoffs isn't your main passion, should you bother to blog about it? Why not? If you have the time, and again, you have the passion, and you're willing to put in that time, then I say, hey, do it. But, but I mean, let's say you don't have the passion, because a lot of people aren't in technical writing because they're passionate about it. Um, well, if you don't, well, you know, again, you're, I think you're cutting yourself off from, um, again, new forms of expression and new ways to expand upon your knowledge and to learn. And, well, that, that's, that's one side of it. If you don't have the passion, you're just going to be typing out words. You're not, you're not believing it. But, you know, if you're passionate about the music, I say do it. If you're passionate yeah. about politics, do it. If you're passionate about technical communication, do it. So and there that, was another you know, guy who I was talking to, Clyde Parson. He's now the STC president in Tampa. And I encouraged him to start a blog, and he got into it. And he initially started off with a technical communication blog, but it kind of fizzled out because he was really more interested in like uh, some, I don't even know what it is. It's some kind of a psychology of mind things. And so his, his, uh, he, he shifted off into two blogs for a while and then he dropped the technical communication and kept the other one and it is really more interesting to read what people are passionate about than what they're just doing um, because they feel responsibility to or something yeah absolutely I agree with that 100% and you know one of the funny things about blogging is I read a quote recently that said blogging is kind of like building um, ready-made assembled furniture you know it's it sounds a lot easier than it is and I think unless you have that passion and unless you have that kind of drive and that really keen interest in what you're blogging or podcasting about then it's very easy for that to kind of fade away and fall off the uh, fall off the radar hey now what about the two main uh, hesitations people have about blogging one they don't have time and two, they don't feel like they have enough to say. What do you guys think about those issues? You can throw three or four lines out in a blog and have an interesting link. You don't really have to write tons and tons of content to, to just keep your blog up to date. But it, it, you know, it really is a challenge, especially if you're trying to balance a family and a career and you know, you're working some 
crazy amount of hours in a week and you know the last thing you get you get home at 10 or 11 at night and you want you don't even want to see a computer let alone uh, create a blog or a podcast but you know it Blogging is work. It is. It is. It takes a lot of effort. But if you're passionate about it, like any kind of work, if you're passionate about it, then it won't seem like work. It'll seem like just an extension of what you really love to do. And if you're using like a civilized blogging application, say like WordPress is what, which is what we use and what we know Tom uses, um, you can write up several posts, say late one night or on a Saturday or Sunday morning with your laptop, and then let them drip. You can just set them so you know one will be published on Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning, Wednesday afternoon, whatever. So you can do it all at once. You might not have that immediacy that some bloggers have, but you're getting your content out there. You're getting your ideas out there. And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. And if you're really stuck, then you could actually syndicate content. But we we prefer not to do that. There's one other thing I think people can do to figure out what to say. Just by reading other blogs and podcasts and being on listservs, you're going to find plenty of discussion and, and all kinds of ideas are going to come to you. I listen to a lot of podcasts and, and I there are a lot of times the inspiration for some of my, my posts. Partly I want to capture some notes from the podcast for my own self and I also want to just, uh, I mean, it's something to write about. But uh, I also think there's there's a creative core to a lot of the, the technical writers that is going to give them an edge in this medium. If you if you go down to the marketing department or some other like engineering department, they don't. A lot of times, I'm not I'm generalizing, right? But a lot of times, the the technical writers have this creative side to them, and and you really do come up with stuff to write about just by nature of the fact that you're a writer. And this is why I think that technical writers can really excel in this medium. In companies that, that uh, assign blogging to the marketing department, I think it's a huge mistake. I mean, I'm not saying marketers aren't writers. I'm just saying that technical writers, they have a tremendous amount of creativity that's often repressed because they're writing dry technical <laughs> material. So this gives yep. them a, a medium of expression. But also, we're not full of marketing speak, and we have a lot of good product information about functionality and tips and things. So it's really such a ripe field for technical communicators, and it's hard to pull off well in the corporate um, sphere. But uh, if somebody could do it, I think it's the technical writer. Oh, definitely. I mean, in the corporate sphere, again, if you, if you can get buy-in to do uh, this, then you're lucky. A lot of the time, it's just hard to break down that wall, saying, hey, you know, we want to set up a blog, we want to set up a podcast. They'll say, no, 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 we can't do that for whatever reasons they have. And usually the reasons, well, aren't very good. You do want to communicate with your customers. You do want to communicate with your users. And blogs and podcasts are just um, a natural way to do that in the Web 2.0 world. I think it's a really interesting idea to, in terms of extending your blogging and podcasting in the corporate arena out to your customers, right? So you have, um, in terms of uh, creating a podcast that has some tips and, and suggestions for the, for a certain software product or or a, or a hardware product, whatever it is. Um, I think that's a really interesting idea, and I think it's a something that really hasn't been explored a lot yet. But I'm seeing that a lot of companies are kind of in, interested in exploring that kind of medium of getting that information out. And, and I think it would be enjoy, more enjoyable for the end user to listen to that rather than comb through a lot of forums and, uh, you know, try to search for blog posts. I mean, if they have an audio-visual medium, a way to kind of, a way that's very interactive and gets them involved with the product, I think that could be a really cool kind of avenue for technical communicators to get into in, in the corporate environment if, if it's, you know, if it's okayed. Are you seeing a freelance opportunity there, Aaron? I, I try to look for business opportunities. I, I always turn. I always pull up the carpet and try to look for the 
for opportunities like that. But I think it's really interesting. I don't think it's 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 something that's you know that really isn't being done a lot right now. But if you were in a company and you could, if you came up with a good demo and said you know instead of um, instead of this this uh, forum that we have for support, we could offer some interactive you know support like you know modules. That that would be a cool thing. Well, I know Splunk, a company called Splunk does that. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's very good because they'll, they'll post a solution to whatever on their blog. And then um, someone will come along and say, okay, yeah, this worked, but I had to do this, this, and this. And it benefits the wider, community as a, wider user community as a whole. Yeah. Well, one of the problems that I think a lot of uh, companies see with, with expanding into podcasting is that the audience is still pretty small. The number of people who actually listen to podcasts and then the number who are going to listen to a corporate podcast are probably even smaller because there's there's an inherent distrust about the corporation. They're always going to be pumping their products and they're going to emit all kinds of negative aspects that, that maybe you're trying to figure out how to get around. So there's, I mean, I don't listen to a lot of corporate podcasts. I'm trying to think of, of even one that I listen to. Most of them are, are they're independent podcasters and they're sponsored by companies. But the, the few company podcasts that I've listened to, I feel like I'm reading a marketing brochure or I yeah. feel like, hey, I should be being paid for this because I'm like learning from the company. I don't want to sit here and listen to the comp- the, the CEO, CEO on my ride home unless it's really interesting, you know? So yeah. what I think companies need to do, and this is a radical shift away from the trends, is they need to, to not just limit their content to their own products. They just need to have cool content about all kinds of the issues going on in, in the technology realm and, and just have a good a good blog or a good podcast and then they can work in their products periodically or every once in a while. But if it's every time you go there, it's nothing but, hey, did you know you can do this with this with this product? Or, hey, here's a tip for doing this with this product. And then it's like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm kind of getting tired of that. So there's something about the independent podcaster that makes it appealing. It's more, it's still an underground kind of movement, or at least it's not a mainstream thing. So there's that sense of, I don't know, eliteness about being part of it. And then if you just saturate it with corporate speak, it, it ruins it. So it's really challenging the corporate atmosphere. I would love to have the opportunity to be a, like a, a run a podcast for a company. And, uh, you know, one of these days, I think it's still podcasting is about five years ahead of many companies that just, it's not even on the horizon. You look at the responsibilities they're looking for. And if you even see a blog, you're lucky. 0.1% of jobs advertised out there mention anything about Web 2.0. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting, yeah. but a, a company by its very nature is only, you know, they're only concerned with the, the revenue and they're in, and if it's public company, their shareholders well-being. So they're going to look at podcasting and say, how can, you know, by their nature, how can we squeeze some revenue from this or how does this generate revenue for us? Right. So that's just, that's, that's one of the reasons why corporate podcasting is kind of mired in this, you know, you know marketing, uh, marketing swamp. And that's why podcasting itself hasn't really taken off is because there's not a lot of visible money in it. There's nobody who's making millions of dollars. People who are making money in podcasting are making, they're, they're not making a whole lot. And it's, as you say, there's no direct revenue model and it's hard to gauge. I mean, people who listen to podcasts usually listen while they're in their car. So you, there's not this little comment button they can easily click and add their feedback. So you, you can measure through download stats, but it's really hard to, to get a sense of what the effect of your podcast is if it's convincing people to buy or what so it is a, it's a hard sale to businesses to really invest a lot of time because it's not something that you just do in 20 minutes in the morning like a blog post maybe 
Yeah, well, even even well, what I was trying to say actually was um, something along those lines. But uh, I think a, a lot of um, literature in the past, you know, a few years, articles, blog posts, whatever, saying, oh, yeah, you know, your blog is your marketing tool. You have to use it to market. That That's drifting into corporate podcasting as well. And it's, as you said earlier, you know, these are being written by marketing people. And um, they're putting all the marketing speak in there. They're focusing you know, on the product, on selling, 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 not I was trying to say, you know, okay, this is a good product. You, know, you can do a lot of things with it, but here's some ideas we have for the future and things like that. They don't want to put that on paper. They just want to go for the dollar. Or even or even a podcast that supports a certain user group or a certain group of, of professionals that use the same product. I mean, something that's informational, something that has some some information value to, to the audience that uses the product regularly without a lot of marketing. You don't really see a lot of those podcasts either. And I think that's an area where podcasting within a, within a corporate environment could grow into more of a support mechanism for whatever product or service they're offering. It could be a, just another kind of tool uh, in their arsenal to to get that information out to their user base. But I don't see a lot of that either. I think Tom was kind of alluding to podcasting in the corporation has really been hijacked by by the marketing department and their and their interests. And in, in most like every time I see a podcast it's it's pretty much an advertisement for, you know, a product or service. So I just want to uh, go a little different direction from here too as well. I mean, in addition to the to the companies that that have hesitations about podcasts and and blogs, there's a lot of just technical communicators out there who who really have if not a direct fear of of engaging in web 2.0 mediums, they just they think it's going to ruin their careers. I was at a session at the last STC summit by this uh, professor and it was on this like the psychoanalytics of web 2.0 so it was really cool and he he knew a lot about it but of the people who were attending the session the entire all the questions and all the discussion shifted over to the potentially damaging effects and consequences of engaging in a blog and or or other web forum and how you can get fired or, or just totally ruin yourself and 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 how you could have things posted about you that are that are negative and damaging and like I couldn't believe it. I was just sitting there just thinking, you guys are complete idiots. None of you guys have even experienced any of these these things. I've been blogging for more than a year and I've never had any bad effects of this. So there's there's a lot of people who are just who just think that having a blog is a liability and not an asset. Well, I think that they, they hear about these stories about people blogging about their employer, doing quite negatively and getting fired because of it. And I mean, that's fair or not, um, depends on your perspective. But, you know, if you just doing a blog, maybe it's related to your profession rather than your job and your company, I think you're fine. I really don't think employers are combing blogs and looking for things to, you know, to eliminate potential candidates. I mean, maybe maybe that is happening. I'm not really sure, but I, I doubt that would be the case. I think they would be more inclined to be impressed with the fact that you are getting out there and producing content and you're interested in, in this uh, in this profession and you're kind of trying to move the profession forward i think that's more more of what they're looking at than oh did did he say something about this company or oh that doesn't sound right or you know i don't think they're 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 analyzing that these blogs and podcasts that closely i'd be surprised if they were i mean you know but i don't think it would prevent it definitely wouldn't prevent me from from continuing oh definitely not I was just going to say that people who who do have blogs sometimes they as you say they they uh they don't they're not professional about them. I mean if people are going to be ranting about their bosses, if they're going to be gossiping, if they're going to be sharing company knowledge that's supposed to remain private or if they're going to be 
just making all kinds of angry posts that, that are embarrassing, yeah, that's going to be a, a problem wherever. And it only makes it more apparent online. But you have to be pretty foolish to do that sort of thing. When um, I know at my old work, we had shared calendars, right? So you could see everybody's appointments. And I remember once we were hiring for somebody and, and uh, you could see who the, who the candidates were coming in. And I'd always Google their names because I wanted to see if anybody was interesting who was, who was coming in to be interviewed. And sure. by and large, nobody ever appeared on Google. And I know that employers Google people just it's good common sense but um i I think not having anything come up on google is probably worse now it it just shows that you're not engaged in anything and if you do have something that comes up certainly uh you you don't want it to have you don't want it to be bad if if you have a bunch of private stuff blog under a pseudonym and and mask everything and and just ask yourself why you're really doing it anyway but yeah so that's all i have to say (laughs) yeah yeah, you, you mentioned that yeah a lot of blo- a lot of uh, technical communicators are resistant to blogging. Do you find that also many more are resistant to podcasting? I think a lot of people aren't really into podcasting. It's not that they're almost nobody denies me when I ask them if they if, if I can interview them for a podcast. They're usually pretty excited, and it's kind of flattering because it shows that they're an expert in something. But um, like in the past, okay, my previous job, there were about 12 technical writers, and in the past year, a lot of people got iPods. You know, the iPods became really popular, and everybody got an iPod, and I thought, wow, now podcasts are going to start taking off. They really didn't. There was only one of maybe seven people who got an iPod that, that started to listen to podcasts, and the rest of them, they just uh, weren't interested. I don't know why. I mean, people have their reasons, whether it's, they like, whether it's because they like to listen to music or they... they <laughs> ride home with somebody else or they just don't enjoy that sort of thing. I don't know why, but uh, I don't think people are resistant to to joining in on podcasts, but they're, they are resistant to just load it up on their MP3 player and, and saturate their minds as they're driving to work. Good point. But I guess also, I've, I've talked to a few people who uh, do blogs and they, they want to do podcasting, but you know what? They don't know where to begin. Hmm. They don't think they have anything to say. And they think it's really difficult to create and host a podcast. I think that, it, that I think it is difficult if you're just gonna be your own podcaster. I know that you guys a lot of times. Um, I mean, you you have, you have each other to bounce ideas off. Yeah. But if you just had your own self and you you had all your content and you just had your microphone or your computer, yeah. After about 20 minutes, you're gonna run out of things to say, and and it's gonna be hard the next week. I find most of my people through interviews. I I like to think that I'm. I'm using podcasting as a as a learning tool. I want to find out information. I want to talk to cool people who know a lot about things. So if you interview people, it's a lot easier to get content. And, and you don't really have to prepare a whole lot. You just have to think up some good questions so that they're somewhat prepared for topics you want to discuss. And then they, they do all the preparation. And you just have to be a good interviewer. And and it's not really that time-consuming. On the other hand, if you're generating all your content, you could spend hours trying to come up with good material, and it's a lot, it's a lot tougher. Or it can be, I think. But uh, again, uh, like you said, out there, out there in the podcasting world, in the blogging world, you're always going to find something. You're going to find something interesting. Maybe you have a new angle on on some topic or some issue. I know when uh, RoboHelp Six came out, there were a lot of people praising it. Then Aaron and I came up and uh, pretty much stomped on it, and I think that set us apart from most people. Yeah, I think definitely you guys got. I mean, your your podcast on RoboHelp was pretty pretty fun to listen to. I have to admit. Yeah, but now you're gonna but, have to uh, do one on RoboHelp Seven because I've I've checked it out and it's it's quite different and it's actually oh, it rocks. Uh, yeah, 
you you've been playing around with it? Uh, no, I know I've known a few pe- I know a few people who've been beta testing it, and they've been telling yeah. me this thing is pretty wicked. They've been telling me uh, some of the um, things it can do, and it's um, actually one thing that really appeals to me. Sorry to get off topic a bit, is um, it's a tight connection with uh, robot with um, Frame Maker now, not just Word. Yeah. So that's, that's great, a yeah. big bonus. Well, I think we're gonna. Yeah, we're gonna. I, I think we're definitely gonna do some blogging on uh, RoboHub coming up. Speaking <laughs> of tools, can I ask you guys a, a, a question here? I know you you sure. recently switched uh, your podcast over to WordPress, and you're using Blogger before or yeah. or something else. What what are your thoughts on those two? I mean, do people should people just go to Blogger because it's easier, or should they use WordPress? Or what's your recommendation? I think it really depends on what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve and and um, what kind of level of functionality you need. I know WordPress is a lot more. It's a it's more robust in terms of functionality, and you can do a lot more things with it. Whereas I would say, you know, for somebody, um, if if you want a stepping stone, you could probably use Blogger. But I think knowing what we know now about WordPress, we we probably would have went yeah. right to WordPress in the beginning because we really didn't know a lot about WordPress when we started out, right? Right, Scott. That's right, and uh, I have to say, Tom, it was your presentation at DocTrain West this year that uh, converted me to the WordPress religion. Hey, well, thanks. No, I, I am pretty zealous about WordPress, but recently I, I kind of realized that I was spending too much time on the technical aspects of, of WordPress, and I said, wait a minute, I, I should focus on content and not try to not try to make all the, manipulate the code or anything, because I don't mean to sound pessimistic, but most people don't care if you if you can create your own blog design. It's like there's <laughs> there's quite a few blog design companies that will do it quickly and cheaply in their CSS Zen masters it'll just go to town on that and but but still it's good to be able to control your your blog and to be able to know what's going on and I just encourage people whatever platform you use just focus on the content you're producing I mean write good posts link to people and if you're going to do audio yeah definitely you need WordPress because you can have built-in audio players quite easily and I encourage people to go to WordPress too my wife I have to say she she has a blog but she she really doesn't like WordPress because she just doesn't want to have to deal with any any kind of code things and it because it's an open source application when you want to manipulate things uh, sometimes sometimes you'll come into a glitch and you'll have to figure it out you know it's it's not just a well it could it can be a push button sort of tool but you have access to all the code and you can screw it up if you if you want to think again that's an that's another um bonus to you know blogging is that you know, you're learning these new tools you're learning new technologies and just ex- it's just expanding your knowledge yeah that's very important for anyone here's a question for you guys okay so i was reading an essay by joseph epstein who's a famous essayist and he mm-hmm. pretty much confines himself to the print medium but he was writing an essay about celebrities and he referred to uh, the egomaniacal, the, the blogging egomaniac. And a lot of people think that bloggers are just kind of navel-gazing. They just, they'll be blogging about something, and they really just do this because they like to aggrandize their own selves and, and look at their own selves. Do you think that blogging is, is something that's uh, kind of an egomaniacal activity? It can be, yeah, if you let it. Absolutely. I'm not going to – I think we can all – think of one or two perfect uh, examples of an egomaniacal blogger. I mean, uh, high technology is kind of kind of filled with that, and it kind of runs off that kind of, you know, those those huge blogging personalities that kind of, you know, get a lot of airplay, and they're, they're in traditional media, and, and uh, I don't know if it's purposely their ego, but it, 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 kind of, it definitely comes across that way. And I don't know whether it's e- ego and podcasting don't mix, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if, if it's just 
something about podcasting that uh, the very nature of the medium kind of dictates that it's you know it's very grassroots and you know there's check your egos at the door and when somebody's overly opinionated about something you know it comes across as egotistical but it it might be it might not be from their perspective you know what I'm getting at like I think there's really a balance that people have to hit when you're in your blog because if I read a blog that doesn't ever have any but his personal thoughts and, and responses about things is kind of boring. I really like to read what people authentically feel and think about things. But at the same time, if if they're giving this personal uh, personal writing too much emphasis, then yeah, it can start to be like, hey, let's focus on on what we're what we're talking about, not yourself. Don't really care about the, the details of your your life, really. I mean. Yeah, it's kind of nice to know every once in a while who the person is, but but by and large, uh, it, it is a balance between the personal and and the focus on the topic that this can be hard to achieve. But oh yeah, and something Aaron and I keep saying is that you know you, you you should take the subject you should take the subject seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, yeah, I heard that podcast. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. But also, I found that you know blogging and podcasting is a good way to learn. I keep hammering that point, but. Is, is it definitely a great way both are a great way to learn or I think to challenge your ideas yeah you know what I wish people would do I, I know podcasting that's is a great way to learn there's so many chapters out there that aren't recording their their presenters and I think that's just such a, a damage to the profession all these these great people and nobody ever said no don't record me we had Neil Perlin we had um, uh, oh forgot some other people's names but big names who came in and they all agreed to be recorded, and tons of people listened to it, and and you reach so many people, and, and yet, how many chapters are out there recording their presenters? And I don't want to limit it just to the STC, STC whatever group you're involved in. Mm-hmm. Come in, somebody prepares for months, and they give a 50-minute stellar presentation, and it's gone after that, and there were 25 people. It's so easy to record your presenters. You can go down to Radio Shack and just ask the, the clerk what you need, and you'll probably figure it out. But yeah, no, you're right. Um, we're losing a lot of knowledge, but what can you do until until it's there? Um, a question for everybody here: For when you're looking at blogging and podcasting, do you think with so many blogs and podcasts out there now, a lot of people aren't creating them just because they think they'll be a single drop in the ocean and not get noticed? I think that's so far from reality. There are like four four podcasts related to technical communication. <laughs> I mean, you could count them on your fingers. Yeah. So if you were to if you were to suddenly become a podcaster, you would be highly visible, and you wouldn't be you'd be like a drop in, you yeah you you wouldn't be a drop. You'd be like, yeah, <laughs> and and blogs. I subscribe to as many blogs as I can find. I've got a, at least a hundred. I also have cool. a techwriterblogdirectory.com. You can go to an address so I can find you. But um, there's plenty of room. People don't read blogs like they read books. I. I have Google Reader, and I just scan down the titles to see something that interests me. And only like one in ten titles is interesting. So you, you really, you're not going to be an unknown. And especially if you have good content, you're there's there's not a lot of blo- I'm I think there's like one percent of people who are actually in 